Greed and Gilead on this healthcare edition of Industry Focus. Hi, everyone. It is February 3rd, 2016. I'm Christine Hargis, your industry-focused healthcare host. I'm joined today, as usual, by contributor Todd Campbell. Hi, Todd. Hi, how are you? Good. He's on Skype. And we've also got in the recording studio with me, Motley Fool healthcare analyst, Michael Douglas. Hello, Michael. Christine, great to be back. So it's going to be a great discussion today. Uh, we're talking about Gilead Sciences, which is a personal favorite for all three of us. They reported earnings this morning. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, which the handle, by the way, is MF Industry Focus, then you already know I spent my morning commute Metro Ride reading the call transcript. So this has been my entire day so far. We've been <laughs> giddily chatting about it ever since. And we're going to give the biotech a grade in a little bit for how they did in 2015. But first, let's hear some numbers. All right. Let me dive in and give everyone the numbers they've been waiting for. Uh, Q4 revenue was $8.5 billion. That was up 16% from a year ago. Q4 adjusted earnings were $3.32 a share. That was up from two forty-three a year ago. And for the full year, sales were a whopping $32.6 billion, up from $24.9 billion in 2014, and adjusted earnings per share were $12.61, which was up handsomely from the 809 they delivered in 2014. I'm just going to reiterate that $33 billion number, because I'd love to compare it to the guidance that they gave a year ago today. So February 3rd, 2015, revenue guidance was for 26 to $27 billion. Midway through the midway, maybe three different times during the year, let's just say that. They upped the guidance. It ended up being an estimate of thirty to thirty-one, and then they beat that too. Yeah, and 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 I think that one of the one of the big things you have to then think about is okay, so they on this call said okay, our guidance for twenty sixteen is around thirty-one is uh, thirty to thirty-one billion for revenue. Okay, folks, after last year, remembering last year's lesson, uh, this. I've got to think this is sandbagging. You know, you, you look at that and you think, okay, gosh, you know, revenue's going to decline a little bit from 2015. That's not great. Yeah, except that this time last year they were saying um, that they'd be six billion lower than they ended up getting. Yeah, I'm not personally disappointed at all with 2016 guidance. Yeah, um, I, I well, think it would be nice, obviously, if they had jumped out and said. Yep. You know what? We don't view any of these competing drugs as threats, and we think we're going to deliver $40 billion. But, you know, Gilead <laughs> Sciences, as you know, they tend to uh, rein in the expectations a little bit. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think over time it makes much more sense for management to be conservative than it is for them to be pie in the sky. Well, especially because they 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 are conservative and then at the very least they deliver on that conservative and usually they beat it handsomely and so you've got managements that talk a big game and you've got managements that actually play a big game and this is definitely the latter so you can't just say you know we we expect pretty flat revenue without giving any good reasons for it let's dig into some of these reasons why such low guidance well, there's a, there's a few different things that are going on here that, that are affecting guidance. I mean, you've got, you know, a, a, an increasingly competitive market here in the United States, okay? You've got, you know, obviously, Vicare Pack's been on the market since last January of 2015. Competing you've got a recent approval. 
What's that? Uh, competing hepatitis C drug is what Christine said. Correct. Uh, although, got to got to insert in there. Yeah, but Vicarapax under ten percent market share. So you know, so far, <laughs> Gilead's Gilead's having a pretty good run of it. But sorry, I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And again, you know, they came into 2015 with uh, the same kind of uncertainties, if you will, as they're coming into 2016. At the time, they had no idea whether or not uh, Vicarapac was going to take 10% of the market or 30% of the market, right? They didn't know whether or not they would be able to negotiate uh, price reimbursement in you know throughout the Euro- European Union. They weren't sure whether or not or when they would launch in Japan. They weren't sure whether or not government funding um, would drive patient starts for Medicaid and for, you know, at patients being treated at the VA. So you look at 15 and you say, okay, well, you know, they had very tepid guidance. You look at 16, it's the same kind of issues. Competitive threats, government payers, international launches. And, and you know, so there are a lot of similarities, but at the same time, you know, they're real risks. I mean, I, I think it makes sense for them to be conservative. You know, we, we don't know how this is all going to shake out. Yeah. And talking about this year's upcoming competitive threats, uh, the stock took a pretty big tumble recently when Merck got approval of its new hepatitis C drug. Michael, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Uh, sure. Um, and and that uh, that drug is uh, I, I'm going to butcher it. So if, if Zepatier, Zepatier, if, if if any listener happens to know has actually heard someone you know say it in person, um, I would love to to hear that. Please email us. <laughs> Send us a soundbite or something. Or yeah, industryfocus at fool dot com because <laughs> I, I think it, it's sort of like. Um, I used to read a lot more than I talked to people. Maybe that's still the case. I don't know. Um, but I, I, the first time I uh, read the word egotistical, the first time I said it, I said egostical because that's kind of how I read it and then was promptly informed by other people that that's not how you say it. <laughs> so same deal here in healthcare. You know, we read about these drugs all the time, but sometimes it's kind of hard to get a, a, good, a good name for it. At least we're not using the chemical names. Yeah, because those are just completely, uh, completely difficult. Um, so one of the interesting things, you know, this was addressed in the call, and they basically said, um, you know, to summarize what Gilead's management said was essentially, hey, you know, we've got a pangenotypic um, uh, Hep C drug potentially coming on the market, uh, end of second quarter, beginning of third quarter is the Padufa date, June twenty eighth, twenty sixteen. Um, so that could change things significantly. Also, we feel pretty good about the price where it is, and we're prepared to draw a line in the sand around the prices we have because we've got real-world data, um, a lot of it, showing that this is a very safe drug. And so when you think about this from the end, from a doctor's perspective, why would they prescribe a drug when they've got another one that's got hundreds of thousands of people who've been treated with it, and they know that there's no weird thing that didn't come up in the phase three. Um, the, other, the other thing is... They also pointed out, you know, listen, Vicurapac, a lot of payers jumped on this as like, oh, this is our opportunity to go ahead and cut prices. And then it got a warning added to the label. And then it got sort of all these other issues that have come up with Vicurapac. And so insurers and payers are taking a more measured approach in approaching the Merck drug uh, because you've just had this Gilead drug that's got a great label. And they've been a little bit burned when they've tried to go with a competitor. So clearly, yeah, it's almost like Mark is raising up his hand and saying, "Me too, me too, me too." You know, their their drug is is solid. It's a pettier, we'll call it. Why not? 
Um, you know, the drug is solid. It's 95% plus efficacy uh, cure rates. That's that's fine. That's great. That puts us at, matches up very nicely to Hervoni. Um, you know, it, it's got arguably, you know, as good, possibly better safety. Um, it doesn't require as much dose adjustment, um, you know, depending on, you know, if you've, if you've co-infected with HIV or, or some other things. But there are some real hurdles, I think, that could keep doctors from prescribing it. I mean, if, if you look at the label, um, there's some testing that needs to be done ahead of time to see if there's some polymorphisms uh, because, you know, Zavadier didn't work very well within patients that had those polymorphisms. Um, there's some testing that needs to be done on, uh, on the liver uh, during the course of treatment that could increase costs. So, I mean, there are some reasons why doctors would, like you said, Michael, just simply go, you know what, Harmony works, I'm sticking with it. Yeah, indeed. And you don't get the sense that the company is truly concerned about this competitive threat. I mean, obviously, it's on their radar. They're going to do what they can not to lose any market share. But I don't think it's something that investors need to be truly concerned about. Uh, Moving on to different parts of Gilead's business, what's going on in HIV? So uh, the the thing that was really interesting to me on HIV, um, you know, they they had this slide um, which they uh, presented, which basically showed that in uh, treatment naive HIV patients, they've been steadily losing market share. Um, in the third quarter of 2013, um, it was some. Uh, I'm ballparking here, but it was in the 90s. And then third quarter 2014 it was lower. Third quarter 2015 it was I want to say 72 percent. Um, and so I think that is a legitimate thing for people to be concerned about. Um, that said, um, you've got. The next generation uh, TAF-based HIV cocktails, um, the first one's already online, Genvoya, um, and its initial ramp looks really strong. You've also got uh, two more that face Padufa dates um, in the first half of 2016, um, and then also are looking at uh, European approvals in 2016 as well, potentially. Um, And so they're doing a lot to go ahead and try to grow that market share. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that was really interesting to me, I, I uh, I, for one of their drugs, and I, I believe it was Genvoya, um, but I'm going to double check. Um, they uh, they said that uh, about 10% of the patients who'd who'd uh, switched to it had switched from a non-Gilead therapy, indicating that there's that yeah, potential. Yeah, that's exactly what they said. They, you yeah. know, 80% were switchers, 10% were from Strybill, the other 10% came from competitors. Right, which is which is great news. It's like okay, well, not just maintaining market share, but looking to go ahead and grow it back up. There you go. Uh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. And they priced it similarly to Strybuild as well, which, you know, obviously a lot of people wanted, were, were worried that maybe, you know, reinventing Varied in, in TAF, um, you know, you would have seen a price spike that would have precluded some patients from being able to get access to it. So, you know, I, I think that they're willing to fight on market share. And, you know, if one, we've seen anything from them on the HIV front over the last 10 years, it's, it's shown that they, they know how to, um, to market these drugs and to compete. Yeah, this is a classic Gilead franchise. You know, this was around before people were ever talking about Gilead and hepatitis C, and it's something that will continue to be a business driver. Mm-hmm. Well, what right. it- I mean, it's a $12 billion business, right? <laughs> we can't forget that. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of companies would love to have $12 billion in sales from drugs. Yeah, I mean, you see the headlines all the time about hepatitis C, but it is really important to note that HIV is also huge for Gilead. It has been their bread and butter for a very long time. Exactly. And they've been in HIV for longer than 10 years. So, yeah. So going forward, um, are there any other treatment areas that we should be keeping an eye on? 
they've got some interesting stuff going on in the pipeline. Um, absolutely. You know, you know, Michael, I don't know if you want to uh, talk a little about that Galapagos deal that they did. Um, they were also working on some uh, treatment for NASH, which is another major cause of, of liver damage. Um, and that could be, you know, theoretically a multi or at least a billion dollar drug. Who knows, right? I mean, you never know with these drugs that are in pipelines. But, you know, it's clear that they want to expand. They want to take some of this money that they're plowing back into R&D. They want to take some of the money that they're, they're, I mean, their, their balance sheet has gotten so big. They have so much flexibility now. Yeah, it's insane. $26.2 billion in cash and other marketable securities. That's up from $11.7 billion at the end of 2014. Yeah. And so you've got to, and, and, and they were very clear that they are planning to uh, pursue some partnerships and potentially acquisitions. You know, Gilead's always been very sort of, well, you know, we're going to do something when the price is right and when the drug is right and when we feel like it, basically, um, which is something I actually really appreciate about them because it's another sign of management um, not chasing headlines. You know, this is not management saying, we're going to buy seven companies this year and we're going to buy 15 next year. They're saying, hey, listen, you know, uh, we recognize the market's down. Maybe there's an opportunity. Maybe there's not. We have all this cash, but we're going to make sure that we deliver it uh, that we that we deliver the best shareholder value we possibly can for this cash, um, and that's yeah, something that, on, on that front, Michael. Yeah. I mean, just to jump right in here, I, I have a quote handy from John Milligan, who's going to be taking over in the top spot at Gilead very soon. Yeah, and you know, in that conference call, he says, um, "I will continue to work hard to help Gilead's business grow beyond antivirals and into new therapeutic areas." And then later on, he went on to say, you know, it's pretty clear that we have to do additional partnerships or find other avenues to broaden the revenue stream there for the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then later on, he even adds, you know, we're very interested in acquiring assets through partnerships. And with the tripling of our revenue over the last few years, the need to do so sooner rather than later is heightened. Yeah. And and thanks to S&P Cap IQ for that and any other quotes we mentioned. So it's interesting that we're talking about buying other companies and what are they going to do with all this money. Right now, it seems like Gilead's saying the best buy out there in the market right now are our own shares. Now, this is a company that just added another $12 billion in share repurchase agreements after their existing $15 billion one is done. And, of course, there's $8 billion left in that old one. $5 billion of this is going to be accelerated share repurchasing, so expected to be completed sometime in this quarter. This is Gilead saying, hello, yeah, we're really cheap right now. We're a great buy. We think we're a great buy. You should think we're a great buy. We're buying up our own stock. Well, and, and what are they trading at right now? Uh, it's, it, they're uh, based on 2015 earnings. Below, yeah. below seven. Below seven. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Below seven. I mean, to put that in perspective, Abby's, you know, and there's a threat to, to potentially to its top selling drug, has a Ford PEO ratio that's like nine and a half. Yeah, well, and, and we looked at, uh, I mean, I only looked at Pfizer on a trailing, but theirs was like 22, I think. Yeah, this is really, really low for any company in this industry, especially one that continually posts pretty remarkable growth. Now, I will say that the one thing that I think we're missing in this this puzzle here, we haven't yet talked about the CEO news. Mm-hmm. So, recently, actually the same day as the Merck approval, I believe it was. Um, it was announced that longtime CEO John Martin is going to be stepping down from the head position, and he's going to become executive chairman. 
um, current president and COO, John Milligan, who I believe we heard a quote from at some point during this episode, he's going to become the new CEO on March 10th. This is a brilliant move. I'm, you know, too often do you not have transitions that are smooth and that are well forecasted. This is the way to do it. You know, you've got a, com- a guy who's been at the helm for 20 some odd years handing it off to a guy who's been at the, you know, right by his side for 20 plus years. I mean, this is this is the way to do it. Yeah, Mill- Milligan is definitely seen as Martin's right hand man, and certainly, um, in in. They'll appear at different conferences, and just in reading through what they've said at those conferences, you can see them very much hewing to very similar philosophies. So I think that, you know, will Milligan be as good for the company as Martin has been? No one knows. But um, but I think that if if you've liked Martin's leadership, and certainly I think we have, um, Milligan makes sense as as the as the crown prince. So just in summary, to wrap up. When we look back on 2015, John Martin's last full year as CEO, what grade would you give Gilead? I'm going to give Gilead an A minus, and I would have given it a higher grade if not for one thing. Um, you know, obviously, you know they, they, they trounced their forecast. The, they're they're doing a great job in controlling expenses. They launched a dividend. But if I'm going to give it an A, I would have liked to seen just a little bit more money flow to that. I'm, I'm splitting hairs here, but a little bit more money floating towards that dividend rather than to buybacks, even if it was a billion or two. And they did bump up the dividend by 10 percent. Yeah, they, they took it up to 47 cents from 43 cents. But technically in 2016. So Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so I, I'm going to give them an A minus for a different reason. Um, I, I happen to like that grade, um, but uh, for me, it's uh, it's the the declining HIV new start market share um, that is for me a potential concern. Now uh, I think that Gilead has a good plan um, to combat it, but we're just going to have to see how that pans out. And so that will be something that'll go in really strongly in my 2016 and 2017 grades for Gilead is sort of okay. How well did they execute on on the replacement of the the Truvada backed regimes with TAF instead? Um, and I think we will learn a lot about um, Milligan's abilities um, as we see sort of how this plays out. Um, that said, I mean, gosh, on hepatitis C, on forecasting, on um, on partnerships, like they nailed pretty much each of those, as far as I was concerned, pretty much right on the head. So um, it's a it's a strong A minus, you know, a a, a ninety an a, a ninety three instead of a instead of a ninety or a rounding or error. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So one more thing that I want to throw out there before I forget is that people on the program, as always, may have interest in the stocks that we talk about. The Motley Fool could have four more recommendations for or against it. Don't buy or sell based solely on what you hear. Use this as a landing point um, for some of your research and then go from there. Um, another thing, uh, we just launched our podcast center on Fool.com. So if you want to check that out, uh, The Motley Fool has a couple of different podcasts besides just industry focus. So Fool.com slash podcasts. If you want to see the new page, let us know what you think. Um, thanks, everybody, for writing in for the book list, by the way. We heard from a lot, a lot of listeners, and you know, it's always great to get emails. I think Michael said earlier on the show, but it, our email address is industryfocus at fool.com. We do love hearing from you. Also, if you like the show, take a moment and review us. It helps us to get new listeners and spread our foolish word. Thank you, Todd and Michael, so much for your analysis. 
I will definitely look forward to seeing some more articles that come out about this and hearing what our other foolish contributors have to say about Gilead Sciences. Thanks, guys.